Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to cover verses 27 through 30. Today we're in this book, and it's a cool study. And if I had to give it a title, I'd probably say something like, No Fault, No Fear, No Pain, No Gain. I know that sounds kind of weird, but I'll explain it as we go through. And so look what we read here in Philippians 1 and verse 27. It says, Paul says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified of your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. And so I don't know if you guys ever drive down the streets and you see um, maybe a person who might be homeless or, you know, you're, you're not really sure. We don't know for sure, but sometimes it seems pretty obvious and you wonder, Lord, what can I do to help them? And you feel so helpless. You know, one of the things that I know for sure um, is that if an individual gets saved, if they give their life to Jesus Christ, then the drug addiction is broken. Then sometimes even healing takes place. And that person who at one time, because I've seen it with my own eyes, that person who was one time homeless, now uh, the Lord gets their life together again and they get a job and they get a place. You know, I've been, we've been in Almani. Remember when we first started in Almani, we were there in Garvey and we would see what they called the Garvey girls come in. Now Garvey girl, you know, they used to call them prostitutes. Uh, they're really sexual slaves is what they are. And so it was amazing to me how even someone in that type of lifestyle would change by the power of the gospel. And so for that reason, us as a church, we really need to make sure that we do everything we can to be able to share the gospel with people because we know that that's what God will use to save them. And if anything gets in the way of that, then Lord, you know, help us, you know, to get that out of the way. And this is what Paul is saying here in Philippians 1, 27 through 30. No fault, no fear, no pain, no gain. Now, no fault, by that I mean no fault line, no division. If you're here and you're divided, if you're here, you're divided with your family. You're here, you're divided in the flock. You're here, you're divided with your Christian friends then what you're doing, what we're doing is we're, 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 we're making ourselves weak. Weak. And Paul here is saying, you're going to see, man, this is huge. Now, I was thinking, no fault. And by that, I mean that, I don't know if you guys know, in California, there's fault lines, right? You guys know that, fault lines? How many of you heard of the San Andreas Fault? I think we even have a picture right here of the fault lines. And these are just some of them. There are actually more of them. The San Andreas fault line, it's an interesting thing because you got these tectonic plates and they're moving. It's actually moving uh, centimeters, I think like five to seven centimeters every single year. And so, you know, that's one that we're watching. We're concerned, man, California's going to fall into the sea. People talk about that. There's actually another fault line. It's called the Hayward fault line. 
And so when these, you know, things happen, from what I understand, you know, circumstances, then these things press together and there's certain aspects which cause a, uh, an earthquake. Um, what ends up happening is, um, from what I understand, um, this Hayward fault line, there's a 63% chance that there's going to be a 6.7 earthquake before um, 2036. And so, you know, you look at the, the earth and basically it's cracked. Basically, there's fault lines. Basically, there's divisions. Okay, now that's what's going on in the world, but it should not be going on in the church. It shouldn't. And so we're going to see today's study, it's very important. Number one, let's be united in Christ. Number two, let's be courageous for Christ. And then number three, let's be willing to suffer for Christ. Now, Paul here again in verse 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast, you stand together, fastened together in one spirit. And that word spirit, it should be capitalized. That's in reference to the Holy Spirit in one spirit with one mind striving together for what? For the faith of the gospel. We need to be united, not divided, for the faith of the gospel. That good news that saves the drug addict. That good news that saves the one who's involved in sexual slavery. That good news that saves your loved one and you want them to get saved so much. But because we're divided, we weaken ourselves. And so Paul here says, hey, you got to let your conduct be worthy of the gospel Conduct right here is a is a big word. Our conduct. I remember when I used to go to parochial school, and who knows, maybe it was just something that I also had in public schools. Did you guys ever remember being in school and getting graded for your conduct? You got a grade for your conduct. How many of you got an A? I'm just curious. Sure, Anna. Right. <laughs> I'm just messing. I know, you know, that I know for sure I did not get an A before I was a Christian. That I know that, you know. And so they got the school. They're grading us on conduct. God, in one sense, is grading us on conduct, and He's saying, "Hey, you know, you should get an A because you are a Christian." Now, the interesting thing about this Greek word right here is it's not only, you know, regarding the way we live, our, con- our conduct, but it's also connected to um, the, our citizenship. And so um, the way we live, Acts chapter 23, verse 1, Paul, looking earnestly at the council, he said, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. So he's speaking to the courts. He's talking about the word lived is the same Greek word. And he's talking, I've been basically a, a good citizen. I mean, you know, you, we all have a conscience. Conscience tells us what's right and wrong. Everybody has that. Paul said, I've not violated that conscience. Now, I want to show you guys a Greek word right here. The Greek word that Paul uses in not only Acts 23, but he also uses in Philippians is related to the word uh, for politics. And so it is this word, um, poly. To my okay, so today we're only covering three verses, so I get to get a little bit more in depth with you guys. And you guys know the Bible was written in English; it was written in Greek, New Testament, Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So we get to look at some Greek words. And so what what he's saying right here is, you guys know all about the politics. You guys know all about the citizenship. 
we're getting ready to celebrate July 4th and what a wonderful country that we live in. We are free. We are independent. Amen? I mean, what an awesome... You guys probably get... How many of you guys get Monday and Tuesday off? I'm just curious. Some of you guys do. That's awesome, right? And so, you know, you want to be... We want to be a good citizen. We want to fight for our nation. We are grateful for our nation. But we're not just citizens of the United States of America. We're also citizens of heaven. And so when Paul is talking about this, as a matter of fact, if you go to chapter 3 real quick, notice what he says there in verse 20. For, for our citizenship is where? In heaven. And so, you know, for the power of the gospel, for the homeless person, for the drug addict, for the one who wants to take their life, they're suicidal, for those who are numb in their religion so that we can be more powerful in preaching the gospel. Lord, Paul says, you gotta let, you gotta live the life. Let your conduct be, your life be, you know, the way that it should be as citizens of heaven. And so when you look at this right here, Paul uses this metaphor and he challenges us in, in this. He says again there that it's to, it's to be worthy. Now the word translated worthy here, it means to be equal in weight. You know, uh, it's used in Ephesians 4 in verse 1, Paul says, I, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And Colossians 1.10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Isn't that beautiful? Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of, of God. And so, you know, I hope you guys are okay with this. We're not saved by works. We're saved by, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're forgiven. All your sins are washed away. Isn't that cool? Isn't that amazing, man? That when you place your faith in Christ, you know that if you were to die today, you go to heaven because you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's beautiful, right? It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But that doesn't mean that we should not try to be holy. That doesn't mean that we should not try and strive and give every effort to be like Jesus because when we are like Jesus in one sense, we're, we're, we're more usable in his hands and we'll be vessels through which he can pour. We'll be instruments with which he could do worship. We'll be tools with which he could build. We'll be you know, weapons with which he could fight. And so Paul here is saying, you know, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. You say you're a Christian, you know, and you say that with your lips, then live it with your life. Because if you do, if you do, then man, that person over there, might get saved. You know, it's hard for me to believe, you know, because I love you guys. I'm a very optimistic person. I really am. But, you know, in a church, you know, even today, there might be some of you here who, you know, you're not all in and you're compromising and you're getting high, you're getting drunk, you're sleeping around, you name it, you're looking at porn and all that kind of stuff or whatever it might be, pride. I mean, there's so many different types of sins. And my encouragement to you today is to get right with God. We need that challenge. I need that challenge because I really want God to use my life. And so it can't just be lips. It's got to be life. And a huge part of living the life is living as one. Again, look at verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So Paul says, whether I come and see you 
or I'm absent, because he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to visit them physically. So either way, that I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit. And like I said, that should be capitalized. That's the Holy Spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. And so you're divided. You know, I will say this, maybe, well, you guys probably know, I always tell you guys I'm, I'm a late bloomer for some reason. When I grew up, I didn't, I didn't have any wisdom and I didn't have any common sense. And now I'm finally getting older. I'm already 33 and what I was thinking, <laughs> no, I'm getting older. And one of the things that just kind of breaks my heart, but you know it's true, is there are so many divisions, so many Division, so many fault lines. Did you guys know there's a fault line going through Cal Poly Pomona? So if you're there, you better be ready. It's crazy, man. But I'm just saying, that's called the San Jose fault line. Anyways, you know, there's so many divisions. And so here's, I think, the challenge today. If there's a division in your family, then Romans 12, 18, it says, do everything you can to make peace. If there's a division with your friends, Christian friends, do everything you can to make peace. If there's a division here in the flock, then do everything we can to make sure that we're not divided, you know? Because if we are, then we weaken our church. Right here, Paul says, in one sense, this is how you do it, and this is why you do it. How can you do this? Well, he says right here that we have to have this heart to be in one spirit. And it's by the Holy Spirit that we can forgive. It's by the Holy Spirit that we get the wisdom, that we get the power. Uh, God will not bless. God will not bless if we're okay with division. There's a really heavy quote I want to share with you guys. It's by Gordon Fee. Listen to what he says. He says, nothing can frustrate the advance of the gospel more, both in a Christian community's effectiveness, in their witness for Christ, and in Christians' individual lives, than internal unrest among believers. The gospel is all about reconciliation, and unreconciled people do not advertise it well. And so imagine if I cut myself right here, a big old cut on my arm, it's kind of like divided, and I did nothing. Nothing. Oh, I'm going to pray about it. Well, yeah, that's something, but you know what? God says that's how you start the process, but it doesn't end in prayer. You know, you might have to go knock on, on someone's door. You might have to get a pastor involved and just say, hey, you know what? We're divided on this and I can't, we can't live this way because I see how important it is and how it affects the gospel. You know, because some people, they get the big cut and they do nothing because they don't understand the importance of unity. They don't understand that. Now we're reading the Bible. Hopefully we do. So if there's a big cut right here, normally I would go to the ER, right? So Manny, you better go to the ER. Okay, I guess I'll go. And what does he do? He sews it up or he staples it up or he glues it up. However, they, you know, they do it nowadays, right? And so if he sews it up, if he stitches it, now at least they're getting closer, right? And then if they can stay closer, hopefully eventually it will heal. You understand, this is what God wants. 
Paul right here says, hey, that you, you have to stand fast in one spirit. This is actually an opportunity for us to be an answer to God's prayer request. Did you know that God prayed that we'd be one? He prayed that. So normally we pray and we're like, God, here, answer my prayer. Answer my prayer. But in John 17, Jesus prayed. And this is our opportunity to answer his prayer. Look what he said in John chapter 17 in verse 11 as he prayed for the apostles. He said, now I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me that they may be one as we are. See, that unity that we see between the Father and the Son is the same heart of unity that God wants with his people. That's what Jesus prayed for before he left. Not just with the apostles. He also prayed it with the ones that would believe in him afterwards. Look at verse 11. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Father. I'm sorry, go to the next one, if you would. John chapter 17, um, verse 20. And I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now, who are the people that believe in Jesus because of the apostles' word? Who is that? That's us. The, the Bible is apostolic. That's us. He's praying for us. And he says right there that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Notice the reason. That the world may believe that you sent me. So, so if I'm divided, if I don't want to be one, if I'm good with that, hey, I'm going to live like this, then in one sense, what we're seeing here in the Philippians about the gospel, what Jesus said right there, that the, the world won't believe in Jesus because I'm okay with division. And so how, this is how important it is. If there is anyone, if there's any friendship, is there any division going on, in your life, my encouragement to you is, is to do everything you can to make it right. It's huge. And now sometimes, Romans twelve eighteen it says, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I know there are some times when you've done everything you can and they just won't accept it. But you know what? Maybe it's time to try again. Maybe it's time, as we're going through this text, to knock on that door again. And you can tell them, hey, I studied this in church, and I really want to make this effort. We, we need to be reconciled because this is... And sometimes people don't want to be reconciled with others because they won't do what you want them to do. Is that, is that the basis of reconciliation? No, we have to seek a higher, deeper unity than that. And so later on, it's interesting what Paul says right here in verse 27. I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit. So that's the only reason why you're going to be able to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And notice he says with one mind. Now that's interesting. One mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. So this is how you do it. Having the same spirit, the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit, asking the Spirit for wisdom, asking the Spirit for power, and then, and then one mind. And so much of it has to do with our thoughts. 
As a matter of fact, look at uh, verse 3 of chapter 2. Look at chapter 2, verse 3. He says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition but or conceit, but in lowliness of what? Mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Say So lowliness of mind. Look at verse 5. This is heavy. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who even though he was God, he humbled himself and he died for us on a cross. So, so, so much of it has to do with the mind and the mentality and, you know, esteeming others better than ourselves, and being willing to sacrifice uh, for the sake of unity. You know, so much of it has to do with the mind. And in your mind, don't you guys, you guys know this, right? It's a battlefield, huh? Your mind, it's crazy the thoughts that we think in our, in our mind and how we need to bring every thought into captivity, And then what ends up happening a lot of times is you get these thoughts and they're not from the Lord, they're from the devil. You know, he shoots those fiery darts into your mind. Next thing you know, you're talking smack. Next thing you know, you're slandering somebody. Next thing you know, you're backstabbing someone. I don't don't do that. If I got an issue with someone, I don't tell anybody but God. I don't tell my wife. I don't tell my kids because you know what that is? If you start backbiting people, you start talking smack, what the Bible calls it is seeds of discord. It's planting a seed of division, and the Bible says God hates it. And so for me, when I read this, I'm like, hey, Lord, you, you want us to be united. He even says right here, you want us to strive together. I want to show you another Greek word. Uh, it's called soon athleo. And you guys see the Greek, right? You see the word athleo. What does that think? What do you think of? What English word do you think of? Athletics. Athletics. Now, how many of you here, when you used to play sports many, many, many years ago, how many of you here, man, you did it with all your might? How many of you here do you guys? Now, some of you guys, you were slackers, huh? This right here, the whole word of soon, it means with, and athleo, it's kind of like this labor, this agony, you know, this athlete who's working hard. He says, we have to strive together. We have to do this as one for the faith of the gospel. You know, one of the things that I find interesting in the Bible, you guys, if you've read your Bible, how many of you guys remember those stories when there was a war going on, there was a war, Israel's over here, and they're like, man, I don't know if I can win this war. But they start praying, and then the enemies start fighting each other. Do you guys ever remember those stories in the Bible? Right? And so that's how you win. So the enemy knows the same thing is true. Like, okay, there's a battle going on, but, but we can't win. We can't win because we are fighting each other. And that's why this is so important for us. You know, I was interesting. I was doing some research and just, you know, the whole thing of this issue. And I came across a church in Austria that, that's an interesting church. I want to show you guys a picture of it. Now, I don't know if you can tell right here, but basically this church in Austria, was a, it was a Roman road, and it goes way back to the 1400s when they would actually um, event, they, they, they built a shrine on this area right here. And so as people were walking the road, there was a shrine there, and it just wanted to encourage people to pray. 
they would just encourage them, okay, you're on the road, here's kind of like a pit stop, you know, to pray. And so they would pray. Eventually what they did was they built a sanctuary there. And so um, the, 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 the preacher would preach from the sanctuary and he would preach to the people who would stand in the road and they would also stand across the street. So eventually, the, this is a side with the preachers on. As a matter of fact, if you look at the next slide, you can kind of get a picture of it. So one of the guys, the preacher who's standing on this side is a rod, uh, gate, fit, uh, gate right there. And so he's preaching. But then the other side, across the road, can you see it right there, uh, is where the congregation would stand. And so to me, I thought it was interesting, uh, a church that is literally physically divided. Imagine that if there was a road between us, I'm preaching, and the cars start, and then they drive by. Hey, how you doing, bro? Yeah, maybe you should pull over and join us or something. But imagine that. It's a trip, huh? And so, but I I will say this, that I would rather be physically divided than spiritually divided. We can't be, you guys. Wise is the one who knows when to divide and when to unite. We divide over the essentials, not the non-essentials. And so all I know is this, Lord, speak to us because we need to do what's right in order to come back and be united. Let there be no faults, so to speak, so that there's no earthquakes. Let there be no divisions. Help us to be united. And then, and then secondly, um, let there be no fear. Let's be courageous as Christians. Look what it says in verse 28. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. So let me ask you guys a question, okay? If there's a Christian without faults, like there's no division in their heart, they're conducting themselves as Jesus would, and so no faults, no fears. No fears, except God, of course. No fears. Will that person be powerful in the hands of God? Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's Paul, and you know, the the Philippians, we're going to see, they were going through the same thing Paul was going through. So Paul was standing before Caesar Nero. He's the most powerful man on planet Earth. He was the emperor of Rome, and he had the, 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 you know, the, the power to just, man, you name it, in one eleventh of a second, say, this guy's dead, go chop off his head. I mean, so Paul's standing before him, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, he didn't have any fear. We've got to know the context here. But we have to understand that wherever you are, whoever that is, they're just a man. God is the one who has his life in your life in his hands. Paul knew God was on his side, and if God was for him, it didn't matter who was against it. He knew it, he wrote it in Romans 8.31, and he lived it, and he was fearless. And this is why I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you, speak. Speak the name of Jesus. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. You know, we have our, our city council meetings, and they told me that I can't pray in the name of Jesus, and so um, I asked them, well, don't you want the prayer to work? I mean, come on, you know, you know, what do we want me to pray for? And so I, 
you know, we pray in Jesus' name, and do it anyways, whether they don't want me to. And it was kind of cool because the other day there's a new chaplain who hasn't been praying in the city council meetings because they told him the same thing. You can't pray in the name of Jesus. And I just pulled him aside and I said, who cares what they say? I told him, you go in there and you pray in the name of Jesus, man. And it was just so cool. It was just so cool. He went in there and he prayed in the name of Jesus, man. And so we, we, we can't have these faults. We can't have these fears. This is what Paul is saying right here. Again, look at the, verse 28. He says, um, not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Not in any way, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. Don't, don't cower before them. Don't be quiet. As a matter of fact, your courage will be something that God will use to minister to them, even sometimes to the point where they might be afraid. Because you're sharing about things like heaven and hell. It's real. Where will you go when you die? I love you. Hey, can I get you a Bible? Can I pray for you? You know, you're just there. And as you're there, you're not afraid. You're led by the Lord. You're not obnoxious. You're not weird, but... You know, sometimes I think, you know, people are obnoxious and they, and they do it like, you know, they're not spirit-led and they actually turn people off, right? But you are open. You are open. And if the Lord is telling you to go and reach out to them, you're not afraid. And, and as you do, yeah, sometimes they'll be the ones that get afraid. That's what happened with Paul when he was sharing with the governor in the book of Acts, chapter 24, I think we have the verse 24 through 25, as Paul is sharing with the governor, it says, And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, notice, Felix was afraid. And he answered, Go away. <laughs> Go away for now, he said, when I have a convenient time, I will call for you. You know, Paul wasn't just like, hey, Felix, Jesus loves you. No, he said, hey, bro, you want to get right with God? You got to place your faith in Christ. Let me tell you about the judgment to come. Let me tell you about self-control, because the guy was living in sexual sin. He did, he shared what God wanted him to share. Imagine the, the governor, imagine if someone told Governor Newsom, hey, the governor, hey, I'm not afraid. You know, because God loves you too. God wants you to be saved. Paul here says, if we're not afraid and we share the gospel, if we're not afraid and we share what Jesus tells us to share, they will be the ones who will be afraid. This is how we have to live our life. We have to be united in Christ. We have to be courageous for Christ. And then number three, we have to be willing to suffer for Christ. Look at verse 29. It says, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. You know, most of us would not go like straightforward into suffering. Most of us wouldn't do that, you know. That's why not that many people, you know, first of the year, they sign up for the gym, but they don't go back, <laughs> right? It's like, hey, you know, um, I, I want to get in shape, but, you know, sometimes we don't like the pain. And so you guys have heard the saying, no pain, no gain. And it's true. 
Now, Paul the Apostle, after the third missionary journey, when he was going back to Jerusalem, you know, they kept telling him, hey, Paul, don't go. The Holy Spirit is testifying in every city saying that chains and tribulations await you. Don't go, Paul. They're going to oppose you. Don't go, Paul. You're going to get arrested. Don't go, Paul, because you might die. But Paul kept going. Why? Because the Lord was calling him to. See, we can't base our decisions on what's the easiest road, what's the less, you know, the, the, the road of least resistance, what's the most convenient road. We can't live our life like that. We have to live our life on where is God calling in us. And if it's a calling to suffer, you know, then we have to be open to that. As a matter of fact, it's actually a privilege to suffer. The Greek word translated uh, granted right here is the word charisomai. And for those of you who know Greek, you know the word uh, grace is the word charis. And so it's in the same family there. To actually suffer for Christ is, is a gift. It's a privilege. It is by God's grace that we are allowed to suffer for him. You know, to suffer for our Savior should be seen as a blessing and not a burden. In the book of Acts chapter 5, when the apostles were whipped, they were beaten. Imagine how you would feel. It says in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, so they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. So, you know, how many of you here, you don't have to raise your hand, but you're going through hard times now. You're in the middle of it. You're going through hard times now. And I, I venture to say that for a lot of you who are going through hard times, it's because you're a committed follower of Jesus Christ. That's why. And the enemy is trying to discourage you. I was talking to people after first service, and they're just telling me about the things that they're going through. And they, you know, sometimes people, they are ready to quit. I don't even want to follow the Lord anymore. I'm not getting what I want or whatever. These things are happening to me. And, and if not now, it will happen. You're going to suffer. So the question is, will you see it as a privilege? Will you see it as something to embrace? Or will you see it as something, because some people, what they end up hap- them doing is they ended up, they quit, they split. They don't have this desire to continue to walk with God anymore. And so what we're trying to say is that, yeah, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, understand it, it includes, it includes, part of it includes suffering. That's our calling. You know, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, it says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. You know, and not that any of us here can offer redemption or propitiation for anyone else's sins, but when Jesus suffered and died on a cross, did anything good come out of that? We were saved. When you suffer and you take up your cross, whatever it is, don't be discouraged, don't lose heart, because God will bring something good out of that. We have to be willing to suffer. You know, we have to be willing to agonize. The the Greek word conflict is where we get our our word agony. And so it's not going to be easy. And this right here is Paul's analogy, you know, the uh, agony of fighting, the agony of wrestling, the agony of running when you feel like you can't go on. Right here, he closes in verse 29. He says, for to you has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, 
having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. And so what did they see? Well, if you go back to Acts chapter 16, verse 16, they saw Paul get beaten. They saw Paul get arrested. They saw Paul get thrown into the bottom of the dungeon. They saw it. And now they are hearing about him being in prison there in Rome. They saw it. They hear it. And now they are going through the same thing. And so you might wonder, well, what exactly were the Philippians going through? Well, we don't know exactly the details. It sounds to me like similar things that Paul's going through. But, but um, you know, this morning, I, I, I don't know, I don't know why, but um, thinking of 4th of July, um, one of my favorite renditions of the national anthem, Star Spangled Banner, is the one that Whitney Houston sang. Do you guys remember that? Oh, just so amazing. And so this morning I, I woke up and after I was done praying, I just, um, I put it on my phone and I watched her, I listened to her sing it and it was just crying. I was like, wow, Lord, so beautiful, so beautiful, right? And so if you haven't checked it out, let me know, I'll send you the link, but it's there on YouTube. Anyways, um, in Philippi and in the Roman Empire, and this is why I bring this up, whenever there was a public event, you know what they would do? Just like we at all these public events we sing the national anthem. Their national anthem was Caesar is Lord and Savior. So every time they would get together for their public events, their national anthem in Philippi, because remember, they're a Roman colony and they're very proud of that. If you were to pick up Philippian, you know, the dirt from Philippi, it was considered Roman soil. So whenever they had a public event, they would have the national anthem and they would all together say, Caesar is Lord and Caesar is Savior. But now you're a Christian. Question, can you still say that? No, I can't. You can't. And so guess what happens? Boom, boom. They start picking you up, throwing you in jail. Just like Paul the Apostle, you're going to get persecuted. And that's why later on in Philippians, you guys know this verse, but let's go ahead and go there. Philippians chapter 2. It says in verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself a no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, and not just any death, even the death of the cross. I mean, the Philippian church, they were a good church. They were a good church, but they weren't a perfect church. And one of their imperfections was division. And we're going to see it later in chapter 4, verse 2. Paul identifies two ladies by name, Eutych and Sintichi. You guys, you need to get this right. And so he says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who even though he was God, think about this, God in the flesh, he became a man and he became uh, uh, to the point of dying and not just any death, the, the death of the cross. He humbled himself. And so look what happens right here. 
It says, therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not Caesar. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that's what's going on. They're going through it. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in the United States of America politically. I don't know. We're hated already, but man, it could get worse. Maybe it won't. But even if it doesn't go that direction politically speaking, it's still something that we experience personally. We're going through it. And so my encouragement to you as we close today, as we have communion, as you look at these things, is that we would have this heart, you know, to humble ourselves And as we look at this, that we would be united in Christ, we would be courageous for Christ, and that we would be willing to suffer for Christ. Because let me tell you something, the cross, it hurt. You know, when it comes to the fears, let me ask you guys a question. Um, Courage, maybe make a statement instead. Courage is not necessarily the absence of fear. You know, fear is a feeling, you know. You, you can't change the way you feel. I mean, it helps when you know the word. Sometimes those emotions are changed by convictions. But even though you might be afraid, courage, it faces those fears. So let's do this, you guys, together as a church, because, man, we want people to be saved. No fault, no fear, no pain, no gain. We know this. We're willing to suffer for Christ, right? You want to know why? Because he suffered for us. Can you imagine what he went through there on the cross when he bore all our sins? Because of his love for you. And so I pray we would have that same love. And you might be here today and you're not a Christian. You've never really given your life to the Lord. That's why God brought you here. My prayer is that you would give your life to Christ Or maybe you've drifted away. You know you've drifted away. Be honest. You've drifted away. You need to come back. And so I pray that you would. The Lord is the one who's calling you. The Lord is the one who loves you. Like I was trying to share with people, and I've been trying forever, man. The the answer to all your problems is simple. His name is Jesus. He died for you. He loves you. Follow him. Follow him, choose him.